This is X O'Connor, and you are listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. We've been extremely fortunate to have Steve Marcy join us for this week's episode. Steve's an amazingly talented guitar player, as well as an incredible teacher, leader, and motivator. Steve spent years of his life touring and playing on records for artists including Francesca Battistelli, Phil Wickham, Mercy Me, and Shane and Shane. After years of road and session work, Steve and his family moved to the Atlanta area where he became musical director at Buckhead Church, which is a campus of North Point Ministries. He stepped back from playing and stepped more into a teaching role, helping worship leaders and their teams build their skill levels to help motivate and lead people through their music and services. Where Steve's story takes a turn is after a few years of being off the road and not playing sessions, he started to get the urge to create and play again, which I'm sure any musician can relate to. North Point began writing and making records, and Steve became a part of these rights and playing on these records. And this was only feeding his urge to get back to playing and creating even more. So flash forward a few months ago, and Steve and his family made the decision to take the leap of faith and move back to Nashville to pursue playing sessions and touring full time once again. Anyone who's looking to make that same kind of step, whether it's making a move to a new city in hopes of new opportunity, leaving a job to focus more on music full-time, or anything like that, you'll want to listen to close to this one. Steve was gracious enough to share with us what he has encountered since moving here, what challenges he has faced, how he's approached overcoming those challenges, and how to manage expectations to keep yourself level as you immerse yourself in a new place and try to find your path into consistently working in music. We are so excited to share this one with you. Steve is so open, honest, and positive in his approach to his challenges in life. Anyone looking to get deeper into music will have lots to take away from this one. I don't want to give anything more away, but one last thing before we dive into the episode. We've got some exciting things coming up here in the Full Circle world starting in the month of October. So make sure to follow us on Instagram using at officialfcmusic. Make sure you don't miss out on any of it. Follow us there. Okay, let's get into this episode with Steve Marcy. You're listening to the Full Circle Music Show. I am X O'Connor, and I'm sitting here with Steve Marcy. That's right. A guitar player, legend, and recent Nashville transplant. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well. You're a recent arrival past couple of months from the Atlanta area? Yep, that's right. So talk to me a little bit about what's bringing you up to Nashville. Give our listeners to a little backstory to you, because you're a guitar playing legend and you've done some musical directing in your past. Kind of give mm-hmm. us a taste of what you've been doing musically, you know, past 10 years or so. Yeah. The last 10 years, I spent a lot of time on the road mm-hmm. with various artists, a guy named Phil Wickham. Oh, love Phil. One Wickham. of my favorite buddies. And Francesca Battistelli, I traveled with her. Awesome. Um, as soon as I moved to Nashville, I filled in for a friend of mine, play with play some shows with Matt Marr. And that was great. But yeah, I moved to Atlanta seven years ago and traveled some and then decided to take a job at Buckhead Church, which is a part of North Point Ministries mm-hmm. in Atlanta as a music director. Yeah, I just really felt like it was a good season to transition off the road and we were having our first kid. And so I was like, hey, I'm going to be home for a little while and I'd love to raise my boy and invest in this community of people that I really felt called to. That's awesome. So you moved to the Atlanta area about seven years ago, having your first child, started music directing. So what does that look like? So you're coming off the road. How many shows a year do you think you were doing before you came off the road? Yeah, I mean, over, over 100, probably 100, 150 So you're a gone, year. you're gone a lot. Yeah, a good bit. And then suddenly you're home 
twenty four seven all or, the time. Well, not twenty four seven, but you're yes. you're coming home Basically, every night. It felt like it. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So, what was that like for you and your family? I'm sure that's kind of a little bit of an adjustment. It was refreshing to not be at an airport yeah. every weekend or being on a bus and. You know, catering is nice to have my wife's home cooking every night. And, and maybe even talk to her not on the phone. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And FaceTime was a gift, you know, when that came around when I started, when I was traveling. But yeah, just being home every night and seeing our son grow up, his first year of life was really a gift. So I was very thankful for that. And yeah, it was really cool to, you know, being on the road is amazing, but it's hard to invest in a community of people except for the maybe the eight dudes on your bus. Yeah. It was nice to have a massive group of people that I felt like I could invest in and build. It takes years to build something like that, especially when you want to adjust a culture or change a culture, grow a culture. And my heart was to grow a worship culture there, which was kind of new at the time. So it took some time. It took me years to make any traction. And it was just an awesome opportunity to build relationships with guys, to develop leaders, develop worship leaders, speak life into these guys that only felt like musicians, but gave them the title of, hey, you're pastoring. Yep. this week. What your role this week is a lot bigger than what you think it is and you're not just playing a few chords like you are leading people. Yeah. Is that a big impact on people when you're kind of laying it out for them like that? I know we've had a few other guests on the show that have said similar things like where sometimes worship leaders need that help to realize like hey, this isn't just yeah. about performing a couple songs or whatever. Yeah. This is you leading these people into the next week of their lives, right. giving them inspiration. What's it like to deal with people on that level? It you know, I think it takes somebody that reads people really well mm-hmm. because every musicians are similar, but they're all a little bit different at the same time. And especially lead singers. They so need what, a little what are the bit similarities? More. <clears throat> similarities would probably be affirmation okay. is a huge love language mm-hmm. of musicians. And so I've always been a verbal affirmer of mm-hmm. people. So that helped me a lot. Yeah, yeah. But I think what I realized is I had a vision for what I wanted a Sunday experience to be on a music level. And so how do I pull that out of, out of my leaders, out of my band members? At the same time, they feel encouraged and uplifted and inspired to go and lead people on a Sunday. Because a lot of times it's just them, hey, just sing your songs and you're good. But I wanted them to lead people. It's a, it's a bigger deal. You know? Absolutely. So you're playing part musical director, part psychologist. Absolutely. Yeah, you're you're getting right. into the psyche. You're like, yep. hey, trying to help mm-hmm. people bring it up to the next level. So also as a music director, what else does your job entail? Like, obviously you brought a lot of passion into the encouragement of leadership. Are you mm-hmm. writing songs with them? Like, how did the job kind of lay out for you? Because obviously it was nice for you to get off the road, So, but it still yeah. must have offered you some kind of mm-hmm. creative output because as a musician, I know yeah. you definitely want to express yourself yeah. in a way. It's crazy. When you move to a Sunday environment, a lot of times, and it, it would depend on your church, but our church time of music and worship was eight to 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. So you're not making a lot of music during the week. That's not really a part of your job. I think that was an adjustment for me going from, hey, I'm going to play an hour and a half show, two hour show to three, eight minute or 12 minute segments of music. You know, so it was, it was very different. So with that adjustment though, I do know, well, just so everyone knows, so all listeners know you and I met while creating an EP with North Point Inside Out. Mm-hmm. So at what point did you do any writing with them? Like, cause I do know that they write a lot within the church and all that. Was there that outlet available to you to where you could start to like get in on more of that side of things as the musical director? 
that didn't really exist. Okay. When I first got there. Yeah, yeah. We were kind of just like a worship mm-hmm. cover band. Yeah. But I think that- uh, Playing the hits. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All the Tom Lennon Hillsong hits. Yep. So it was kind of a new idea to say, hey, let's write songs for our church as opposed to just covering everybody else's worship songs. And so that's when the Here album, that's the birth of the Here record, which okay. is before the record we worked on together, yeah, I yeah. believe. And that was a live record. And so I was very fortunate to be able to speak into the writing process and the arrangement and production process of that album. So that was really fun. That's awesome. So did that start to kind of fuel your desire to move into the next stage of your life? Because you're saying that that didn't exist when you first got there, but come halfway through, three quarters of the way through Mm -hmm. your time with the church, now you're starting to find that creative output again, and then flash forwards a few more years, and you're coming to Nashville. And I, I know just from our previous conversation before we started this interview that you know, you were feeling that call to the the creativeness again of yep. playing guitar and all that. Mm-hmm. Did some of this start to like begin that need again as you're getting into the writing and the playing and the production side yep. with these North Point records? Yeah. You know, for me, getting off the road kind of meant not traveling and not doing a lot of records anymore. So I wasn't in the studio very much for the first few years of being in Atlanta. So it was really refreshing to kind of get back into that again. It was nice to have a break. But it was also nice to kind of get back in a few years, few years later, and to have a different vision for what I wanted, what I wanted to play, and what we wanted to write, and what we wanted to create. And the purpose of these songs had a lot more meaning. As a guitar player, you go in and you serve the song, and if that means you play the song note for note as the guy who did it on the record did it, then that's your job. So it was actually really cool to say, "I'm gonna. We can create these songs. We can create these parts and arrangements." that would best serve our church on a Sunday morning. And, you know, the, what would the guitar player play? Well, I get to write that part. Yeah. What is that going to feel like on a I'm Sunday? I'm the guitar player. Yeah, I get I'm to figure <laughs> that out. And you get to do that in session world, but this is different because we're creating our own, you know, original thing, which is really fun. That's awesome. You guys did the first record, the live one, and then moving into the record that we did with you, mm-hmm. which is, I think, still one of the records we're probably one of the more proud records of, of things we've done. We were super awesome. pumped on how it turned out. Yeah, and amazing. just to, the thing that blew me away about working with you guys, we work with a ton of bands, but it's rare to find, first of all, a band that's actually like as much of a band as you guys mm-hmm. seem to be together. Mm-hmm. Like you could tell there was that connection between mm-hmm. all of you. Because in, in modern music, it's not as common to find bands that are all playing together simultaneously that have that connection of playing all the time together in a live environment too. A lot of it's very programmed heavy. So a lot of times you have certain players that are just taking a break during a song or playing keys on a a song or whatever, but you guys had this connection and the musicianship was just top notch. How was that working with that level of people on a day-to-day basis? But not that you guys were even assembled. You were all just members of this congregation Mm -hmm. that came together and, and weaved in this like superior skill into great music. Yeah, it was awesome because we would feed off each other and inspire each other. We all came from different backgrounds. So we were all professional, quote unquote, musicians yeah. before we got into the church scene. And and so we just kind of assembled and we just made great music. And it just, it was one of those things, you know, as a producer and as a mix engineer and, and a guitar player yourself, when you sit down with somebody and there's like, a, there's this connection where it's like, you're inspiring me, I'm inspiring you. The notes that you're playing are inspiring to play different things maybe than I would even think to play, but it's now kind of pouring out of me. And that was a really special time. That just happened constantly. We would sit down 
and vamp on a bridge that one of our riders would write and things would be birthed out of those moments. I'm a big soccer fan. And the one thing I love is just finding that inspiration, that creativity from anything. And, and what you just said reminded me of this moment in any sport, but also in music to where like being immersed in something that everyone shares a common love for, you can almost start predicting mm -hmm. where things are going yep. in that moment. You know, yep. you like... For example, in, in my soccer world, like two players that know each other so well, they don't even look for each other anymore. Right. They just know where the other person's going. Yep. And in that instant, release them into doing what they were doing. You know, and it's, from what you're saying, it's just like, that's what you guys were experiencing. Yeah. Was you knew where they were going. They knew where you wanted to go. And you're all just setting yourselves up for success. Yeah. As a member of a band, is it way easier to perform and create when you have like when everyone is setting each other up for success and without the personalities like dueling and like kind of combating everything down. Yeah. I mean, the trust relationship is key. Yeah. And you don't always have that. So when you find it, it just, it's clicks and it feels great. And then I think you don't have to be in your mind as much and you can really step back mm -hmm. and you play your role and you serve the song but you're able to enjoy it and take it in. Yeah. You don't have to be thinking about, oh, what's, what's my next part going to be? Oh, what's he going to do? Because you're all just like fluidly moving from one place to another and you're kind of following each other and you're making eye contact and you're smiling and you're singing along yeah. or you're just kind of mouthing, hey, that was incredible. Oh yeah. my gosh, what yeah. did you just do there? The look alone is just saying a thousand it's words. It's everything, yep. Uh, dude, I love it. So uh, you've you've mentioned this a few times and it's it's something we say around the studio a lot, serving the song. Yep. So talk to our listeners for a second about what serving the song means to you because I think everyone takes a little different interpretation of it, but for any person at any level in any position in music, mm -hmm. serving the song is such a crucial thing. So mm -hmm. for our listeners, what does serving the song mean for you and why is it so important? Yeah, gosh, serving the song is everything. I've done some production. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing you realize as you start to produce and arrange and write music, you got to take a 30,000 foot view. There's got to be like a 360 view of the song from the front to the back and the middle. So you kind of have to step back and say, all right, what are all the parts? What are all the components? What's the sound? What's the genre? What does the singer sound like? What's the tone of their voice? What are the lyrics saying? And it was my job as a guitar player specifically to get in there, listen to the song front to back and start to imagine, okay, I think this tone, I think this part, I think this sound is going to serve this moment, even if it's just the verse. And maybe that means not playing at all. Mm -hmm. That's serving the song. But really having a 360 view of the song is vital to serving it. And I think the one thing you didn't say, which is probably the biggest thing, by the biggest thing, I mean, by you not saying it's probably the most impactful part of it is that nowhere in there is what's best for you. Right. right. Like just leaving yourself completely out of it, mm -hmm. like picking tones, parts, when not to be there. It's mm -hmm. all based yeah. on what's best for everything. Yeah. And that's kind of a life philosophy too, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. We talked a little bit before we got on the show here about just how being even in the service industry at some point, it's almost mm -hmm. like a thing that almost anyone should experience because yes. it teaches you so much. Yep about how life works because you literally catch everything at all ends of it. Yeah. You meet the best people and you see the worst in people too. And to have... This is a service industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, this is definitely a service industry because we're all here as producers. We're here to serve the artist and the label. And as artists, 
You are here to serve your listeners and your message. But above all, we are all here for the song. Like without right. the song, the artist is not doing anything. The artist is not connecting with the audience. Mm-hmm. Without the song, they don't need producers or mixers or A&R people to do anything. Yeah. And it's almost like being in that kind of service industry, everything is so reliant on what you like. The harder you work, the better you are at it. Yeah the more you're going to see come out of it, so to speak. And having to take yourself out of it because you're relying on other people too to be yeah. successful with it. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it's a powerful yeah. thing, man. It's, it's, it's hard to put into words sometimes. Yeah. And as a musician, it's your job to step into, it's always hard to step into a room with a producer that you've never worked with. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I've always focused on is, all right, who is this producer? Yeah. I need to catch his vision yep. right off the bat. I need to figure out how he speaks What's his language type? Like, what are his verbiage yeah. uses? You know, guitar players, listen up, or musicians in general, because this is extremely important stuff. This is the stuff no one tells you about. Complete. Sorry to interrupt you. Please no, continue. no, absolutely. So when we worked together, I had to figure out what were some of the keywords you were using. They're maybe different from how I would think, how I would use words. Another producer that I worked with last week, and then taking your vision, translating that to music, translating that to my instrument mm-hmm. in that moment is how you serve a record. It's how you serve a producer. It's my job to serve a producer. Mm-hmm. It's my job to serve the song best. Mm-hmm. And so I've always gone in and like, how do I be most prepared? I got to be on time. Yeah. But I want to know this guy, which ultimately as a contracted musician, that helps my future. Yeah, Because if we have a great relationship, I understand you, you understand me, you're going to call me back. Yeah, You're going to have me back to do another record because when you enjoyed my it- friends about you. Right, which yeah. is huge. And- yep. And ultimately, relationship, I'm glad you you use that word because every day I think we're learning more and more, especially as the music industry evolves. But this is so much of a relationship-based business. I mean, the key, as our listeners have definitely heard, to starting success in any part of the music industry is relationship building. Mm -hmm. It's not what you can do for me. It's what can I do for you to help make things better, period. And establishing that trust and then letting that blossom from there. And their investments, that could be years down the road before you see the fruit of it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so kind of speaking about down the road, so let's move forward a little bit. Because I know when we were working on our record with the North Point record, you had dropped hints that you were thinking about moving up here, wanting to maybe start to get back into a little more session work, a little more road work, stuff like that. So. Talk to us, if you don't mind, a little bit about what the thought was with you and your family about taking this big leap of faith because you're kind of going a whole 360 full circle kind of thing from coming off the road into the church, then starting to get more back into the writing, into the recording, and now taking the big leap of faith in moving up here because you moved up here without anything secured, right? You just kind of said, hey, this is what I feel like I'm being called to do right now. Yep. And let's do it. So, yeah. Talk us through it a little bit. Talk us through kind of what it was like. What's been kind of going through your head and everything. Yeah. I would say about a year ago, my wife and I were together over the summer and I was playing. And I just, I came back one night and I was like, I need to play again. And I don't know what that looks like, but we need to start talking about that, praying about that, and let's see what happens. So it was about a year of us really talking about, okay, what's the next step for our family? We have two boys and one on the way. You know, there's a lot more pressure on a contract musician when you have little mouths to feed and your rent's due and you don't know quite where that next paycheck is coming from. But, you know, I believe I've, I've been called to make music and to serve this industry. And so for me, it was, let's pick a date on the calendar and 
That's the date we're going to start walking towards. That was the first step. Let's pick a day. Ideally, there would have been opportunities and I would have jumped right on a road gig or I would have jumped, hey, here's 10 sessions. But that's not always how it works. So once we met too, for me, it was like, this is another guy I need to get to know. These are more musicians. These are more producers and more guys that are in town that are doing what I want to be doing. I need to get to know them. But not so that I can get something from you, but so that you feel like he's a good guy. I want to hang out with him. That's all that really matters. Because when you make music, you know, especially going on the road, you play an hour and a half, two hour show at the most, but you got 22, 23 hours of not playing music. Yeah, you're forever in each other's presence. Even in the studio, you're sitting in a small room together for... 10, 12 hours on end. To record five songs or less that day. (laughs) You know, Maybe a part. Right, exactly. So the hang is key. You gotta be cool. You gotta be good to be around. You gotta be an encouraging, positive, uplifting guy. I think that's just, that's part of it. Which I think is maybe hard for some of us introverts Mm -hmm. who are a little more quiet. Maybe that doesn't quite come naturally to us. But it's, if you wanna do this, I think it's worth taking the step out and saying, hey, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to call these people. I'm going to hang out. I'm going to take them to coffee. Oh, you're too busy to go to coffee? Let me bring you coffee. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to serve you. Which is exactly what happened today. Right, (laughs) exactly. Yep, (laughs) and we're hanging out. We're having a great time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really it. It's exactly what you said. It's It's such a relational business that it's everything. So once we picked that date, started making some trips up here, started hanging out with as many people as possible. And it was like, gosh, it'd be great if I had a gig. Again, didn't happen, but we felt like we were called to be here. So June 1st, packed up a truck, moved into our little house, and we've been here ever since. It's been three and a half months now and still trying to figure it out. You know, don't have a gig lined up yet, but I know that I'm supposed to be here. And so there's just a, hey, this is what I got to do. I'm going to give it as long as it takes because I know I'm called to do this. So... I'm super pumped that we're talking about this because I think you're in the very unique position having seen, let's just call it both sides of the coins per se, where you had the the steady road gig, the steady church gig, and now you're coming back to the road, but you're in essence just kind of starting from Mm -hmm. scratch. So as someone who's experienced it already and knows what it's like to have been on the road and find success and to, you know, and then find success in the church world and in, in the studio world, do you have any advice for people that maybe you're even living through right now? Because I yeah. know a ton of our listeners are definitely wanting to get to even where you are, like making that jump to Nashville for mm-hmm. them or to LA or to New York or to wherever their like yep. mecca point for music is. Do you have any advice for those people that are like just hesitant to even make that step that haven't even gone and said like, hey, here's my deadline date. Let's just do it no matter what. Is there anything that you've learned from this whole process that you could like kind of you know, lead them with a little bit? Sure. When I was out and I was busy and I had too much work, those are blessing seasons Mm -hmm. and those come and go. But I would get emails and text messages. How do I do what you do? I want to travel. I want to tour with an artist like that. I want to do session work like you're doing. How do I get those opportunities? Unfortunately, there's no rhyme or reason. There's not a formula because if there is, we'd all be doing it and killing it. There would be books out there, but there aren't. There's not a, hey, if you do these 10 things, you will have these gigs. You will have these opportunities. That's just not how it works, unfortunately. Yeah. It is quite the mind shift to go from being a guy that I was asked, how do I do what you do, to be on this side of it now at 32 with a few kids. Mm-hmm. 
you know, how do I get back into the game? Because it's not just you now. It's a full family that That's like, right. there's support. Yep. And yeah. Yep. So yeah. Yep. So what's it looking like? Yeah. It's encouraging because mm-hmm. I, I could go back and say, I gave these words of advice to other guys, yep. which my advice at that time was, hey, if you're in a church, stay plugged in. Mm-hmm. Keep serving, keep growing, keep investing in your crafts, keep getting to know people, keep building those relationships. And as you walk that road, if that's what you're supposed to be doing, those doors are going to open. Yep. I talked to, a, I made a new friend just yesterday, had coffee with a new friend in town. And he was like, man, you know, there are those dry months where you think, I just need to go get a part-time job. And then at the last second, an opportunity opens up yep. and it's kind of a reminder, no, this is what I need to keep doing. So you're going to go through those phases. You're going to hit highs and lows. There's going to be mountains and valleys, but you got to keep taking those steps forward. So you kind of mentioned in, in passing for a second, managing of expectations. And I know mm-hmm. we've had a few songwriting panels and, and different artists talk about their move here. And managing the expectations is probably one of the higher points on their list of things that like you need to know mm-hmm. when you arrive in Nashville, that it's not like you said, going to just happen overnight or whatever. But some people are really not always knowledgeable on how long it might actually be able to take. Yeah. So since you've done this before mm-hmm. and now you're back, mm-hmm. was there any different approach you took into managing the expectations? Like what was that struggle for you? Like knowing that, okay, I've done this before. Yeah. I'm going back up. I know that it's going to take me some time. Was there still that struggle though? Oh, of yeah. Like, okay, maybe I'm just going to jump right back in or, or what's that like? What's that mindset? Like just so our listeners that kind of are going through this same struggle right now, kind of know what yep. it feels like from a guy who's been there. Mm-hmm. It's a daily struggle. Yeah. It's a mind control mm-hmm. thing where it's easy, especially for my personality to get a little more melancholy mm-hmm. and to kind of recluse back and just kind of hang out and stay out of the way. And not, you know, I'm not sure quite what to do next, yeah. but you got to keep pushing. I have moments even now over the last month or so where it's like, okay, I don't know how we're going to pay our rent. I don't know how it's going to happen. But me and my wife, just a few nights ago, we sat down and we thought, you know, what are the moments that God has been faithful? And we can go back to countless moments, even just from our relationship. We met at 18, we're 32 now, but we can go back to that very beginning moment and track God's faithfulness And it really helps to remember that he is faithful when you can look back on those moments of him, of those faithful moments of him being faithful. Man, that's huge right there, dude. So speaking of your wife and you guys being together for such a long time from such a young age, you had mentioned before we started that she met you Mm -hmm. while you were kind of more the road warrior and that she was very supportive in you getting back to that moment in your life. Mm -hmm. So has that made things easier or different with your transition up here, having a support system like that, having someone champion you like that and just be like, this, I feel like this too is what you need to do. Cause that is from our side of things, ultra, like almost everyone we talk to is on the flip side of that to where family is one of the hardest parts about being on the road, but yeah. you have a super encouraging family that's yeah. like wanting to support you through yeah. getting you out there and getting mm-hmm. you creating again. What's that been like? Has that been a super positive influence for you? Huge. Game changer. I think in our lives, and you could tell me if you feel this way too, I think there's this constant battle for identity and who we are. If you can find somebody and marry somebody that knows who you are in the moments that you don't know who you are, you need to marry that person. Like that is huge. When I met my wife, I was on the road and I said, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. 
I kind of need you to be okay with that. If you're not, I understand. And she was right off the bat. And there were other girls before her that maybe wouldn't have understood, but she did. And so I think through this journey, as you know, like I said, we're all on the identity journey, who we are. She has always seen me more clearly than I've seen myself. That's incredible. Which is amazing. So to have her see that, know that, feel that, and then champion me to go and be who I was created to be, do what I was created to do, to be a husband and a father that can dream, Mm -hmm. take somebody that can lift you up in those moments where you're like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this at all. Maybe I just need to go get a regular job. But in her heart and her mind, she's like, no, that's not who I married. Mm-hmm. I married you because I saw these things in you. This is what you need to do. I want our boys to have a dad that dreams. And that is the gift. So, man, yeah. I'm in the same boat as you are. I have a very supportive girlfriend and we had almost that exact same talk like just so you know my life's not always crazy but it gets crazy Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of how Mm -hmm. my life is and you know it's so good to have someone that does support you in that because it it just makes those times when things are hard like if you're away for a long yeah if you're away for a long period of time or you've got that deadline that's causing 18, 20 hour days and you guys literally see each other as you're waking up and, you know, or you're waking them up as you go to sleep kind of thing. It just makes those times so much easier because mm-hmm. you don't get like the text message that's like, oh, you should be here. You know, you know, you get the, hey, how's your day going? You know, it's just always cheering, always uplifting. And it yeah. just, it just makes things so much easier and so much better. Yeah. And just so much when there is pressure, it's just almost alleviating mm-hmm. to be like, I got this and people know I got this thing. So if I can ask, if you don't mind sharing, second time around coming back into Nashville, I know a lot of our listeners have fears of like making the jump that you've made. What was the biggest fear for you, if you don't mind sharing, for making this move back up here and diving back into this world? I would say the greatest fear is probably finding enough work, Mm -hmm. which is crazy because... Nashville is music city. Yeah. You know, and everybody talks about Nashville and there's tons of sessions and tons of tours, but that doesn't guarantee you anything. Yeah. You know, which is why we go back to relationships. You got to have guys like yourself Mm -hmm. who you can call on and say, Hey, I'm having a tough day. Hey, I'm having a slow month. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what to do next. And you have those relationships beyond like, Hey, I need you to find me a gig. Yeah. But I can say X, like, do you have any advice? Like, I'm kind of in a in the valley right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've been there before. Yep. Do you have any words of advice for me? Those are so much more valuable than, hey, find me a gig. Yeah. Because the gigs are gonna come, the gigs are gonna go, but having those relationships are everything. So yeah, I would just say, you know, the fear, every man's fear is being able to provide. Yep. Whether you're single or you have a family, I think that's always been a, a huge fear of mine. But then I think you realize that you aren't your family's provider. And that's a much bigger conversation. That is. But, but that's huge right there, man. Yeah. That's deep stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm getting chills. <laughs> my, my arm hair is all prickling yeah. up. Man. So if you don't mind, like as we're kind of wrapping up here a little bit, we've kind of given some advice and some stuff you've learned, you know, over this transition for you. If you could though, just 
if you were to champion, like if you had a friend doing exactly what you're doing right now, what would you tell them like in support of what they're doing? Like what would be the guidance that you would offer them just as we're wrapping up here? Yeah. I've had a lot of friends do this over the years, as I'm sure you have. The biggest thing for me has just encouragement. This is a tricky business that you kind of need to be certain you want to be a part of and that you want to invest in because it's not easy. It's not your typical nine to five. You can't, you can go to school, which is great. Go to school if you have that opportunity and desire. Great. But it's not like a doctor or a lawyer where you have to go and do these things and you get this job. We talked about that at the beginning. That's just not how it works. That's just not the industry. So for a new guy coming in, be sure this is the industry you want to be in. Be sure that you're ready to give it all that it's going to take. Be sure that you're ready to serve people. Be humble. Entitlement. If you feel like you got a little bit of that, you need to get rid of it like instantly (laughs) and be ready to just, hey, what do you need today? Is there anything I can do for you? And then go beyond that. So if they say, hey, wrap some cables. We talked about this. Don't just wrap the cables, wrap every single cable on that wall and make it look amazing. So like you said, when you were in that job, when you were in that role, somebody would come in and be like, man, this wall of cables looks incredible. Who did this? Oh, it was X. Those are the things, those are the touches that go a really long way. And then just being a good guy, being a good person, really caring about people, building those relationships beyond what can you do for me? But who are you? I want to know you. Those things go so far in this business. So those would be my biggest, probably words of advice. Again, there's not a rhyme or reason. There's not a 10-step method to being a professional and being successful. That's just not how it works. So if you have the the gift, then take the steps, but be ready to put in the work. I think that's super sage advice because it kind of surmises that the entertainment industry, music industry creative industries in general, it's almost about being the person that you are Mm -hmm. more than being the person for the position that you're filling. It's very much yourself is like the product or the brand Mm -hmm. almost like all of our, you know, no one really has an ego or anything. It's just like how you work, who you are as a person and how you work with others is what feeds through this entire industry. It's what helps stabilize the relationships you form. And just by as cheesy as it sounds, being the best you you can be, it just really, Mm -hmm. really just opens up pathways. Yeah. I think too many guys, and this is maybe going back to a uh, technical, maybe specific to guitar players, Mm -hmm. they will spend thousands of dollars and thousands of hours searching forms and getting gear together and making their pedal boards pristine. But they're not, one, they're not putting the time into playing and two, they're not putting the time into relationships. Yeah. And they think that, you know, having these $10,000 pedal boards is what's going to get them the gig. When unfortunately it's not, it's, it's all yeah. about those relationships. It's, yeah. Know? It's the relationships and it's how you do what you do, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, I, I think that's hitting the nail right on the head. And Steve, thanks for sharing a lot of heavy stuff with us. One lighter thing before we wrap up, you just talked about gear, any gear that you're obsessed with right now as a guitar player. My Kemper. Your Kemper? Yes. It's Which is lives, crazy changing to say. Lives. It really is. I would say it's the most inspiring piece of gear I've bought in the last 10 years. Really? And I have some unbelievable amps. I mean, boutique, unbelievable amps. And this thing, 
in the studio live. It's just so good. And it's so realistic. I've bought the, the other amp simulators. Yeah. And this thing is, this thing's pretty legit. It's the real deal. You got to spend time with it. You got to get to know it. Yeah. And you got to tweak it to sound like you, but it, it can, which is really cool. All right. We've been flirting with getting one, so you might have just sold us. I think you need one Dude. or two. <laughs> Probably two. We'll get two. We like pairs of things around here. That's right. Dude, Steve, thank you so much for sharing your story, man. Great having you on the show. Thank you. Hi, this is Exo Connor, and you've been listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. This show is produced by the Full Circle Music Company with editing help from Jericho Scroggins and Jordan Salamoni. We always love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. We're always looking for ways to make the show better and to bring you all the best content that we can. As I mentioned before, October is going to be an action-packed month with Full Circle Music. Starting at the beginning of October, we're going to be trying another series of podcasts, this time focused solely on production. We're already lining up some insanely great guests, so producers, artists, whoever you are, get ready because this series will be packed full of new information that will help anyone at any part of the music industry and at any skill level. There also may be an online teaching event as well and some possible giveaways. So be on the lookout for all of it. Follow us at Official FC Music on Instagram. Don't miss anything. Thanks again for tuning in. Looking forward to seeing you all again next week.